Truer words have never really been spoken. And of course, if you really don't believe us, Trey and I already thought this was going to happen Friday in the Fast Lane. And guess what? We keep receipts. At Fast Lane, Ed Lane, wherever you listen to podcasts. Because we never bought into this narrative that Patrick Mahomes squashed when he was accepting the Vince Lombardi trophy on stage the third time he's done that, all three times Super Bowl MVP, that the Chiefs were somehow underdogs. Yeah, just know that the Kansas City Chiefs are never underdogs. Just know that. Well, I mean, I guess in the betting market they were, and I get the logic actually behind it. San Francisco was the better team over the course of the season. That's how odds makers often set their lines, flawed as that might be. But... Trey and I, you know, I mean, we were honest. We tried to warn you this past Friday in the fast lane that this could in fact be the case, that Kansas City, if it's a close game late, where is your greatest level of trust going to be? And there are a lot of other angles that actually go into the Vince Lombardi Trophy once again residing right in the heartland of this country. Kansas City, not Dallas, Texas, once again. Because Kansas City, unlike the Dallas Cowboys... It's looking a little bit... Like those Dallas Cowboys is peaking in the 90s. The Kansas City Chiefs back in the 90s actually just peaked in the regular season. But then Andy Reid came along, and now they've won after a little bit of a bumpy ride at times. They've won three Super Bowls in a five-year span, and they've pulled off the hardest feat. The first time since the, the comparison now that is being made, and I get it, of Brady versus Mahomes. And for the record, you know, I, I lean with Brady. He's won seven, Mahomes has won three. Brady has done it with two different coaching staffs and actually had to uproot himself to go to a different organization in COVID when there were restrictions and he had to find ways to circumvent them, like throwing to receivers at, at different schools in the Tampa Bay area. But Tom Brady did all that to win his seventh championship. And oh, by the way, in doing so, beat Patrick Mahomes. Granted, it was a bad offensive line for Kansas City, so keep that part in mind. But I mean, still, it's like the Michael LeBron debate. You're talking about the one versus two, and it's really no shame being the second in that category. Now, now the big difference He's is, not done yet. Let's be real. Trey, that's where I was going to go, is there is still plenty of time. The test, though, will be what Mahomes is able to do whenever Andy Reid steps away. Reid, of course, confirming after the game last night that he would come back. But that that's a bigger picture element to this. There's so many other smaller picture takeaways that are equally as compelling from Super Bowl 58. Notably the fact that I don't think it was an atrociously managed game down the stretch by San Francisco. But it wasn't pristine. And the pressure is always put on the opponent by Kansas City to I do that. I disagree with that. Okay, go ahead, Trey. I think, well, I said last night at Trail LVD, one, I have two points to your Mahomes thing. I think he's entered the... And again, greatest and best are different conversations. I think he's the best quarterback to ever play the game of football. I I previously said that was Aaron Rodgers. I think it's now Patrick Mahomes. Oh, I don't think there's a question if you're comparing those two. Yeah, but like the the best and greatest are different things. Like best to me is a quarterback in a vacuum. Like their skills, everything, like what they do on the field. So you don't put mental acumen in best, but you put I don't it in put, greatest. I don't like best takes out the I think the accolades, because greatest is kind of that sort of thing. Two different things, but we can save that for later. I said last night, and I I even double, I will double down on this. I was ready to double down on this at the NFC Championship game, and in but they they pulled it out. I think Kyle Shanahan is not a great big game coach, and it's been proven time in and time out. He he's blown. He has had a double digit lead in the three Super Bowls he's been a part of, where. 
He was the OC in Atlanta, and then the two times as a head coach, and he has blown them. I know they were to Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes, who are two of the greatest quarterbacks ever, but the fact that you took the ball first in overtime with that guy on the other sideline, you gave him the chance to take you out, whereas you didn't give yourself that chance, if that makes sense. I don't know, Trey. I don't know. I'm actually interjecting because for all the criticism of Tony Roman, I still don't think he was great last night. And he, was, he, was, he was. I thought he was he pretty was, good. He was better than he's been if most of the last year. just shut up at the last year. play of the game, shout out to Andrew Marchand. Um, but, 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 it would have been but fine. The, but the point I was going to make about the, the Romo commentary is I think he was actually spot on when he said multiple times in different scenarios. You got to kill him. You you can't go for the field goal. You've got to go for it. And if you go down going for the win, go down going for the win. And never was that more apparent. That's what Dan Campbell did. Then 100%. Well, like the Dan Campbell, and we've argued about this. Dan Campbell, the field goal where it could have been where it was a 14-point game, 24-10. He does not kick a field goal. He goes for it, doesn't get it. Stays 24-10. San Francisco marches down the field, gets a touchdown. It's 24-17. All the momentum on San Fran's side. They end up winning the game. Uh, that's the one where I nitpick. I don't have an issue with Dan Campbell uh, later on in the game going for it because at that point, you need to stay aggressive, and I completely understand the logic. Three versus six points, and ultimately Detroit didn't convert, but three versus six points, I, I have no problem with that because you knew San Francisco, if it was a one-score game, they'd come back. That same logic applies to the Super Bowl last night, where when you touched on the overtime decision, I have no problem actually with taking the ball, although I think it is faulty that San Francisco, and to their credit afterwards, but they admitted nobody knew the new overtime rule, which is both teams I don't think you need to take the ball. I think you take the ball second no matter what. I, well, he. I, it's just like college there. overtime. You want to know. I'd rather. You want to know what the other team's got has done, so you yes. you know what you have to do. I w- I will blow back on it to a small extent, and this is my uh, defensive. College it's a game. little defensible because there's the third quote unquote third possession where it's sudden death again. But but I'm going less on that. Kansas City's defense was gassed, so march down the field. No, they but weren't. If, Flip it. it. The reason he said is because they just got marched down on the field by Mahomes. And, and and I and I get that, but if that's the case, but if that's the case, Trey, you can't settle for a field goal like San Francisco did. I'd rather just go ahead and go for the touchdown because Mahomes got them the touchdown. He'd get them in a field goal range. He would have got the touchdown if there's like 30 more seconds on the clock in the fourth quarter. He would have if there's more time. So you knew what you had to do, which is score a touchdown. That's my issue. And and again, I am a take the points guy as often as you can. So you be. think they should have gone for it, and gone for a touchdown on that, like last? So. Yes, yeah, I, I agree with be damn situational I agree with awareness. that too, but I also think they made the first mistake. They gave them the, they gave the the weapon because Kansas City already came out and said we did not we were going to take the ball second, and if they scored a touchdown, we were going to go for two. So I think personally, you eliminate the chance for Kansas City to kill you in that game in overtime by getting the ball second because they could have. They could have marched down and scored, but they wouldn't have gone for two. And the way your defense was, or your offense was playing, especially in that second half, the way they were able to run the ball, you're gonna. Let's assume. Let's assume they score the touchdown. 
well, you're going to hand the ball off to your best player in Christian McCaffrey, and I bet you Christian McCaffrey can get three yards, and you win the game. Or you're going to flick it to him on a you know swing pass, or, or you shovel throw it pass, to George or Kittle, or whatever. Debo same, although that's a whole other thing. And you want to get on Shanahan? How George Kittle was hardly utilized at all, and how they didn't really get much out of Debo Samuel last night either is very head scratching. Because I don't think it was a great performance by Kansas City defensively uh, in San Francisco. Two of their three biggest weapons offensively, Samuel I and think Kittle, it was a really underperformed. Uh, you see, I think it was a great defensive performance by Kansas City in the key moments, and that's all they needed to do. 100%, and that's been them the entire year. And yeah. to their ever-loving credit, that's been a the, big part of the it. Two, the two plays, you know, the... the you know, the blitz by McDuffie that led to the deflection that led to the field goal to give Mahomes essentially two minutes, which, again, everyone in the world watching that football game knew what was going to happen. And it was Patrick Mahomes, who is the best player in the world, going to march down the field. It was, there what, was an inevitable. Once, once San Francisco kicked that field goal, you knew this call was going to be the one that it was came. Over. I knew it was you over. You knew what was coming on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app and the Virginia Talk Radio Network spoken word formats that this is something you would eventually be hearing. First and go at the three. Lining up in the clock at 10 seconds and ticking. In the shotgun, Mahomes. Four-man front, receiver in motion, low snap. He runs and he throws, caught, touchdown! It's caught! Hardman caught the ball! The Chiefs have won! The Chiefs have won! The entire bench empties! Chasing Mahomes in the end zone! Their third Super Bowl in five years. The Chiefs are back-to-back Super Bowl champions. It is a dynasty. The Chiefs have won Super Bowl 58, 25-22 in overtime. That was Kevin Harlan on Westwood One, as you hear or heard. The Super Bowl on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app and the Virginia Talk Radio Network. So, you knew what was going to come at that point. But there were so many other little tells from that game, what it means going forward, the extravagant parts around it, the entertainment part as well, that made it very interesting. But there's another part to this, and I have no problem bringing this up, and that is, of course, I had a little confessional moment today on our InsaneRadioDeals.com Fast Take in honor of the halftime performer, and that's about as long as you got per song from Usher I disagree with your take, by the way, on that, but we don't want to talk about that. We'll do that in the Fast Five at Five-ish tray is what we're going to do. Because we're going to table some college basketball talk. Tech and UVA both play tomorrow. Trey will have more on that tomorrow when he uh, hosts and fills in for me. Uh, I'll have a little bit I on it. I have one guest booked. And I've got one more I'm trying to get. Well, I've got one. I'm, I'm hopefully going to speak with Gary Parrish, respected reporter, as well. But Trey is going to cover more on the basketball stuff tomorrow. He'll probably have additional thoughts on football tomorrow in the Fast Five at Five. Evan Hughes tomorrow. That's I was going to. I was going to tee that up for you, Trey, but I'll just say it. Trey, that's totally cool to say that. We're Evans. Evans, our guy. There we go. We've, How about that? Book that. Confirm that already. That, for tomorrow. That's a great guess because the Virginia Tech Lady Hokies are back in the top 15 of the polls now after uh, I was gonna win ask, at I'm, NC State. I'm this close to asking Evan, has he caught an elbow the way Liz Kitley keeps catching him in these games? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, you know, Or maybe he's uh, he's feeling like uh, you know Aaron Rodgers and the Jets. So close yet so far away. Anyway. Will I ask him about Miko Hartman? Just got to tune in and see. Uh, yes. Jets. You mean a, a, a Try, Jets? Uh, da, 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 that's a fast five at oh, five-ish okay. topic coming got up it, momentarily. But confessional time, of course. These are my confessions. And that is this. 
Patrick Mahomes, after the game, first thing he does is, well, he actually speaks to the grit of his team, but then he gets his religious commentary in. It means a ton. Just the adversity we dealt through, dealt with this year, and to come through, the guys never faltered. I just got to give God the glory, man. He, he challenged us to make us better, and I'm proud of my guys, man. This is awesome. It's legendary. So that's Patrick Mahomes afterwards speaking to CBS, and I have no clue what he did or did not do as far as celebrating the win last night, and if he was at the same Las Vegas club that Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift were. He, he was. He was. He's at Disneyland today. He's at Disneyland today. I'm sure he's not sleeping. I don't judge guys in these moments, generally speaking, because hey, you win a Super Bowl and you work that hard, I, you know. It's, oh. By the way, so tomorrow I'm not here in the fast lane because tomorrow is it's known as Fat Tuesday, where people gorge because Lent in the Christian community starts on Wednesday. So you get all of your vices that's, out of the way. That's ironic, given Wednesday this week is Valentine's Day. It, it, it kind of is. But anyway, that, that's the theory behind it. So there's kind of a grace period. You know, you get to gorge, and then Link comes, and you got to get serious. Well, I was going to say someone who gorged is not even a Kansas City Chief, but my favorite person during the celebration for the Chiefs was our good pal, uh, Jason Kelsey. Have you seen that video? Well, I didn't see the video. I saw the outfit where he looked like the guy from The Hangover. Uh, I think that was an edited photo, but he's... Did you see what he wore to the Super Bowl? He wore the uh, he wore Kansas City, the Chiefs, Kansas City so, Chiefs paraphernalia. Yeah, so there's a video of him dancing, and he has the Ray Mysterio Kansas City Chiefs mask on, and it's like he, Taylor and Travis are having this beautiful romantic moment, and then it just cuts to Jason Kelsey like next to Marshmallow just dancing his his behind off, and it's it's fantastic. It is. Um, it's entertaining. It's wildly comical. And, you know, I mean, look, I, again, I, I grant a grace period with a lot of that. When people win a championship and celebrate, you know, I, I'm a runner, as most of you guys know. When I have a, a big race, I'm not. I'm actually not very good at any celebratory stuff. But I've tried to get myself, you know, you get a little time to go out and enjoy it, and then you got to get back on the grind, so to speak. And it's healthy in that sense. It's taken me years to realize that. I, I grant a response. But Patrick Mahomes was outspoken. Look, this isn't the first time he's spoken about his faith as he did in that bite we played from CBS after the win. This was Patrick Mahomes before the Super Bowl on his faith and the role it plays. I mean, my Christian faith plays a role in everything that I do. I mean, I always ask God to to lead me in the right direction and let me be who I am uh, for his name. So it has a role in everything that I do. And obviously, it will be on the huge stage in the Super Bowl that he's given me. And I want to make sure I'm glorifying him while I do it. I mean, look, that's Patrick Mahomes. If anything, you know, and we see this with some performers are much more outspoken religiously than others, and some of the best are not all that religious, and that doesn't make them bad people. You know, tennis is an example. Novak Djokovic is my guy; is the greatest of all time, but he's he's pretty outspoken as a, a Christian Protestant, you know, individual. Whereas Rafael Nadal, who's one of the best of all time, is not very religious. And I mean, there's, you know, it's it, I'm I'm of the belief, at least in America, it's a free country. You're allowed to believe what you believe, and you should be, and you should not berate people with that. You know, me being the type of Christian that I am, I. I Look, my style is not standing on the street corner saying that you're going to go to hell and having the banners. And I get some people may need that type of shock therapy, but it's not necessarily how I believe the right way to go about it is, um, if you catch my drift. But Patrick Mahomes has kind of been that way, but very rarely are things this clean, cut, and linear. And if anything, I think there's a relatability to how Patrick Mahomes has approached this. Because if you follow the circus around Patrick Mahomes, you kind of get a glimpse that it's not this pristine, perfectly curated image around the guy. His dad was arrested for DWI the third time in five-year span just a couple of weeks ago. 
His brother Jackson Mahomes was once appear again appearing on TMZ because he tried to get into the VIP section at a pre-Super Bowl party and was denied access. And then Brittany Mahomes, my wife is my wife thinks Brittany Mahomes is like the most bossy individual you could possibly imagine. Um, which I mean, maybe she's right, maybe she's not. Um, of course, she's my wife, so I'll say she's right. But anyway, my my wife tends Good to believe Br- my wife tends to believe that's the case. Patrick Mahomes navigates all that. He navigated falling down for the third time in a Super Bowl by 10 points with another comeback victory. You know, it's remarkable when you consider that. And so, yeah, I mean, I think to each his or her own, the role that faith can play in it. But if nothing else, whether you agree with it or not, there's a level of being grounded by it. You know, I, as a Christian, I don't I don't view LDS as the same faith as Protestant and Christianity. It's, it's a different, different form of religion. But... I have tremendous admiration for that because the amount of discipline it takes to be devoted to your particular faith and religion, as long as it's not in a you know maniacal, I want to kill you fashion, and some people abuse that. I don't think most people in any religion, Christianity, Judaism, Islam, whatever it is, I don't think most people are that way. But um, there, there's a sector that is, and that's not how I advocate, and I think that's the wrong way to approach it. But it's a fascinating dichotomy just to see what Patrick Mahomes has done and how it's used him and how it's been helpful for him, and he's not shy about it. And some people bring it up, other people choose not to, and the reality is is I think it's actually healthier to have that approach than to maniacally rally around or against an individual the way it always seemed to be with someone like Tim Tebow. And granted, you know, let's be honest here, Tim Tebow may have had success at Florida, but what Patrick Mahomes has done on a broader scale for a longer period of time and with greater pressure, uh, you know, Tim Tebow to college is not what Patrick Mahomes is to the NFL. Mahomes is infinitely greater at that particular level than Tebow ever was at college. Let's just call a spade a spade. But that's one of the fascinating angles that came out of this is that particular element of Mahomes. And I think there's a relatability to it that it's not perfectly linear like it's seen with Tebow where everything was perfect all the time. Mahomes, there's a lot of struggles around the guy. And if anything, it makes you feel relatable that, look, I mean, the guy's worth $60 million. That's not relatable to very many of us. Not very many of us can be a top, you know, five athlete of all time at our particular profession and Mahomes is going to go down in that category with a Tom Brady when all is said and done as being a top five in your craft so yes there's there's some unrelatability but the fact that there's chaos around him and he's not trying to dodge that either there's also that relatable element as well so here's what we're going to do we're going to table more of these thoughts on college basketball in depth with covering the commonwealth in about 10 minutes here in the fast lane. But we get to a little bit of that, plus some more Super Bowl observations right now in the Fast Five at Five-ish. It's time for the Fast Five at Five-ish. Five fast-paced, quick-witted things you need to know right now. Number five. Liberty over the weekend. What a resilient victory that they were able to capture against Louisiana Tech. Speaking of trailing, not quite double digits. They trailed by nine on a couple of different occasions. Yet they rallied back. They clawed back. They actually took the lead. Louisiana Tech ties it with 17 seconds to go. Then Kaden Matheny hit what would end up being the game-winning three on as he confessed afterwards, sticking with the theme, that it wasn't a play actually designed for him. Yeah, I mean, uh, wanted to get the ball in Zach's hands. Uh, great playmaker, uh, great attacker getting to the rim. And he made a great read. A uh, guy sunk in on me. Um, Dished it out to me and uh, made the shot. So uh, Zach's a great Zach's a great player for us. Um, more times than not, he's he's getting to the rim and making a great play for us. 
That was Kaden Matheny speaking after the win that Liberty had against Louisiana Tech. And Matheny hit the game-winning shot with a little over two seconds to go. And Liberty got a late, I don't know if you call it defensive stand. It just looked like a pass that Louisiana Tech could not execute, uh, inbounding it to half court. So Liberty gets the win and, and phenomenal for them. They're back to 500 in Conference USA play, but it showed a lot of resiliency and grit, kind of a theme over the weekend when the going gets tough. Speaking of that, by the way, the willingness to adapt brings us to number four, the Virginia Cavaliers and their victory against Florida State. It was as unconventional as you would find for Virginia because as Tony Bennett confessed afterwards, the Virginia Cavaliers didn't use offense. They used defense. Excuse me, they didn't use defense. They used offense. The thing about college sports, but college basketball, I I don't want to say start over, but every game, every practice, you begin again. That's what you start, and you can't ever guarantee, oh, we're going to have it. We played terrific defense against Miami. Okay, that defense is going to show up. Well, it didn't show up the way it did against Miami. And thankfully, guys showed up in our offense. So you just never, you just reestablish. You don't get too high after a win or too down after a loss. You just keep, as we say, you just keep chipping away and, um, and growing. And, you know, you can learn in defeat, but it's nice to learn in victory too. Tony Bennett afterwards that the defense never really showed up, but it was the offense that bailed out the Virginia Cavaliers. That's actually an encouraging sign. I think if you're Tony Bennett, it's why he wasn't totally downtrodden by the defensive performance because they've won nine in a row. And for the majority of this nine-game winning streak that the Virginia Cavaliers have right now, it's been defensive-led. And you're not going to be perfect all the time, but when you've seen it so often and you know your team is bought in and it's showing up in practice and in the majority of games, you can grant a little grace to your team if you're Tony Bennett that it goes the other way. And there is actually a level of, I think, good health for Virginia that, oh, they can win a different way when the defense isn't great, but the offense can step up the way they did at Florida State. It's not going to be the bread and butter for Virginia, but if you have to do that occasionally, that's an encouraging thing that, oh, maybe they have other ways to win, which is what you're going to need when it comes deeper into March if you make the NCAA tournament. Speaking of making it or not, number three. I think we're at the point now where we can say the Virginia Tech Hokies, Trey, are not going to make the NCAA men's basketball tournament. Yep. I mean, we had our doubts previously, but the loss at Notre Dame over the weekend, once again, defense over 50% shooting, uh, you know, turnovers committed, not forced. Um, at this point, we kind of know what this team is. I think they have a very good chance to be an NIT team. Realistically, with the clunky roster they have, it's salvageable, and that's a plus. But the biggest takeaway I had for Virginia Tech was this was a close game at halftime. It was on the road. It's a winnable spot at Notre Dame. They're tough under Micah Shrewsbury, but they're flawed. Best players are young. Often they play better at home than on the road when you're dealing with that. But for Virginia Tech, it was the type of game where we entered. The, they entered as a favorite, and my skepticism was how reliable is this team, especially away from home, and unfortunately for Virginia Tech, they proved not to be. Number two. Women's basketball. Virginia and the Virginia Tech Lady Hokies, Virginia Tech Lady Hokies, and the Virginia Lady Cavaliers. I just don't think there was anything spectacular over the weekend, but... That's good for those programs. Wake Forest is not where Virginia is right now. Virginia is starting to grow under Coach Mox. They're not an NCAA tournament team, but they are a postseason caliber team, and they're finding ways to win these games against lower-level teams in the ACC. And for Virginia Tech, it wasn't the most crisp, top-to-bottom performance, particularly defensively, against Boston College, but you came off that 
the valiant effort and victory at NC State where your defense stepped up countless times. You know it's there if you're Virginia Tech. Replicating that intensity over the long haul is going to be a challenge, but they were able to ride their superstars, and you're going to have to find ways to do that where it's not full in troll mode, if you will, and I don't mean trolling internet. I mean trolling like if you're in a, a boat and you're just kind of cruising along where you're moving, but not at maximum efficiency. Virginia is going to need some of those as well. And number one on the Fast Five at five. All right, Trey, other nuggets from the Super Bowl. And you can feel free to interject. You can feel free to reject. We're going to table the Taylor Swift stuff until the TV ratings come out in full over the next couple of days because they'll have the linear TV, which is your television set, but they also are factoring in streaming, and that's going to take another day or two to get all that information. So I'm going to hold off on commentary on that. The Usher Halftime Show. I've mocked it with the confessions and how little the, the songs were actually played. Look, I like Usher. I don't think this was the most disastrous halftime performance, and maybe you want to call me spoiled. Fast Lane, Ned Lane, wherever you listen to podcasts. But It bounced so quickly from song to song to song. It was like 73 seconds or less for every single Usher song. And I understand you're on a tight timeline. I'd rather trim a couple songs out and have them go longer. Mary J. Blige with Snoop, Eminem, and Dr. Dre a couple of years ago. The old NWA Ice Cube was there as well. That to me is the gold standard. They had hit songs. They had songs you could bounce to. They drew them out in length. And they had good variety in terms of volume of songs. I thought Usher transitioned so quickly that it never felt like you got that true experience. Trey, you disagree? Yeah, because it's 12 minutes. You can't play all of the songs. I think you only can do a minute and a half to each song at, you know, between 97. And that's what he felt like he did. Um... So I I think, um, yeah, he kind of was restricted in what he wanted to do. Obviously, I think he was building that big moment at the end. Um, I'm glad they ended with, yeah. Um, so uh, I was okay with it. It built. Like, his, it built. And I think it ended the right way. Like, I think it was good. It wasn't my favorite of all time. I think, you know, looking back, I, I don't remember watching it as a kid, but I got to watch the Prince one back. That's really good. Especially, yep, yep. obviously, him singing Purple Rain and rain falling down is, like, perfect. Um, uh, I agree with you on the one from Super Bowl, the Super Bowl in L.A., uh, so yeah, I I think it was good. Um, I think um, he's kind of restricted in terms of his time limit on staying on to one particular song, so it's kind of hard to criticize him for that. Football-related observations. Trey will probably have more tomorrow in the fast lane. Then there are going to be some longer-term ones. Free agency, roster construction, early look to next year. That's stuff we have all offseason to start discussing even more here in the fast lane. But the other ones were, as far as commercials... Uh, Again, I won't mention the name because they're not a sponsor of ours, but it it might be a company based out of Boston that happens to specialize in coffee and donuts. And it happened to use a bunch of Boston luminaries like Tom Brady, J-Lo and Ben Affleck, as well as uh, Matt Damon. That was hilarious. To me, that took the cake. I always have a soft spot for anything animal related with the Budweiser Clydesdales. And then there was that, what, online shopping company, Trey? The dad, Timu. Yeah, is that a Chinese-based company? Yes, it's okay. like Wish. See, see that 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 is all you need to know. They had like five ads in the Super Bowl, dude. It's the government of China that's basically paying for that. Like people are like, oh my god, how they, dude? It's the Chinese government. Like they bleed wait, money. Wait, like, you they think can that, afford? Wait, you really think the? Um, 
I mean, it's not the, the goat. The, I don't the, mean... The Dunkin' Donuts... Oh, sorry, I messed up. Oh, you said the name, Trey. It the uh, America Runs on Blank company. Yes, 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 yes. It was better than Patrick Stewart and Creed in throwing a child... Throwing Arnold... <laughs> The par- I, Paramount so, Plus ad yeah, I, was I, the best one. It's not even a debate. So I, I would I would respectfully disagree. But listeners, please tell us. Fastlane, Ed, Ned Lane, or Trey Lyle. When Creed Beachy. comes out and it, <laughs> you have Patrick Stewart singing it. Come on. I, I can respect that. It just wasn't my favorite. I thought the, the Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, Tom Brady one was hilarious. And everybody in the South, self-deprecating roles. And there is your Fast Five at five When we return in the Fast Lane, back to your teams and topics. <laughs> Liberty, Tech, Virginia, and more. Covering the Commonwealth comes up next here in the Fast Lane.